0: Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. The holidays are upon us, and you know that because you go to Target. And like people don't even celebrate Thanksgiving anymore, right? It's like, it's like, it's not even Halloween hasn't even passed and they already have Christmas trees up and all this stuff. And, and so, but I love Thanksgiving. I think it's a great time, obviously, because we get to get together with family and eat delicious food. Um, but it's also a time where we can give back and, and love people and teach people to be grateful. Uh, we had, like Leilani said, an awesome time here this week at SLAM, blessing some of the families uh, of the school. And um, one of the things that stood out to me the most, just so that we can have a perspective on like how blessed we are, all of us, you're like, I'm not blessed, you're blessed. There's people that waited for three hours to get a box and a gift card for 15 bucks, essentially $25, waited three hours to get that box. So I felt great. And at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm so ungrateful. God, help us to do more. And so uh, it was just an amazing time. And I just want to thank everyone that was a part of that, like Leilani said. um, We also were able to do something that is now a tradition. It wasn't a tradition until this past, was it Friday, Thursday? What day was it? Friday. um, We had just done it once. Now this is the second time. So it's officially a tradition that we have as a church where we uh, fed the entire faculty here of the school, from the cleaning people, to the teachers, to the administration, some guests that they actually had here, and so we saved the principal some money, he didn't have to splurge and pay for lunch, we, we, uh, Slam Boca was here, and we fed them as well, Um, and so Georgie cooked for like 130, 150 people, let's give it up for Georgie, if you guys need a caterer, call him, he's available every day, Sundays after 2 p.m., Um, (laughs) so he did a great job. We had a great time. We had so much fun, just blessing people. Uh, One of the teachers is here today. He liked Georgie's food so much. He came for seconds, but I'm like, you know, there's no seconds. Uh, Once the cafeteria, you know, my favorite group, and I could say again, now that it's a tradition is when when the cafeteria people actually get there and we're able to serve them. They just fed almost 2000 kids, And then we get there to serve them and to just, and then they just, all the leftovers, those ladies and like the one poor guy that works in the cafeteria, like they took it all. So it was an awesome time. And so Thanksgiving is awesome. So I love Thanksgiving, Um, you know, uh, and it's not just because of the stuffing your face. I like cooking for people. And I think Georgia and I share this. I think we both like eating the food too, but, but, but I like cooking for people because I like to see the look on their face after they eat something that I cooked. And I, I, that's where I get like my joy and my, my satisfaction is just seeing like making people happy. You know, I, I look to see if they make weird faces. And I don't know if my wife has like a, a waiver that people sign just smile when Mark cooks or something. But, uh, but yeah, and so the other, uh, a while ago, I actually invited some friends over. Uh, This specific, I invite friends over pretty regularly, but this one event, um, it was a couple years ago, I invited some friends over, um, and they had actually just come from being missionaries in, uh, what's that place that Americans aren't allowed to go to? Yemen, Um, right? So they got sent back to America, and so I'm like, oh, come to my house, I want to cook for you, and so I, I got these steaks, these uh, churrascos, right? I wanted to show off. And I just don't go to Winn-Dixie or Publix to get churrascos. I don't even go to Whole Foods to get it. I go to an Argentinian butcher shop, all right? And, you know, these guys get, like, the cows delivered to them, and they, like, break it down. And, and I don't go into the guts, but these guys eat, like, all the weird things that, like, you know, so whatever. So it's good. And, and uh, Juan knows all about that. And, uh, and so I got my steaks there, and I marinated it with salt and and, uh, and, uh, pepper and olive oil. And I'll stop there. Cause if I tell you my secret, then I'll have to kill all of you. Right. Um, and, uh, and I let it marinate there for a couple hours. And then finally my friends get there. We're talking, they're talking to us about the work that they did in, uh, in Yemen. They had actually started a school teaching English and teaching uh, people how to build computers and stuff. So it was a real cool thing they were doing over there. And, uh, And then I go out to my grill. And so the grill that I had at the time that I loved, it had had a rough life. I had it probably for like 10 years, all right. And, uh, you know, the little thing that you click for the the gas to spark up, it didn't work anymore. Which was fine because I liked my way of turning on the grill better, right. And my boys loved it. And it's like I turned the gas on. And then I would get, like, uh, the wooden matches, and I would, like, throw them in there, and then it would go boom, right? And, and the boys love that sound. Like, yeah. And then my wife was like, are you crazy? You're going to burn the house. And, and I don't know if she sounds like that, but that's the way I hear it, right? And, uh, you know, and I'm like, déjame tranquilo, mujer. Me tienes la vida hecho yogur. I don't say that, but I would hear other men say that. And so I think it, right? I know better not to say it. Um, if she's inside and the door's closed, I'll say all kinds of things and then I like smile and wave, right? But, uh, but I don't say it but, it, but I do think it. And so this day in particular, I had left the matches outside from the night before. So they were a little moist. And so I'm trying to strike things and, and it, they don't light up. And, and the gas is going, you know. And I'm like, oh, I got to get this. Boom. I'm on like match number two does not light up. Match number three does not light up. Finally, match number four lights up, and there's this explosion. Boom. And a ball of fire is, like, in the air. And then she's like, yes. She didn't say yes, but I know that she thought, yes. I told them, And she's like, oh, my gosh. The house is going to catch on fire. I'm like, nothing's on fire. There's no trees on fire. The house is not on fire. But I smelled fire, like, really bad. And I'm looking, and I don't see any fire. And then all of a sudden, I look at my right arm and I have no hair on my arm, the one that's, and then, and then, like, my beard, I feel like it's a little cinched, right? Like, my, one of my eyebrows, like, this part was gone, but still, like, I didn't see fire, I so, and I actually burned, like, the hairs inside of my nose, and that's why I smelled the fire, and you see, she was right every single night when I grilled, and she, she busted my chops, like, you're going to get hurt. You're going to blow up the house. Someone's going to die. My grandmother once told me that in Cuba, a house blew up because of a gas leak or something like that. You know, because every Cuban has a disaster story of something. You know, and, and, and she would say all these things and, and it would drive me crazy. You see, we all do stupid stuff like this. People tell us, don't do that. No hagas eso. Be careful. And we're like, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. And you're probably thinking, yeah, Mark, I do stupid stuff all the time, but I've never done anything like that. Right? You're probably right. You know, and and even though my thing is a little more stupid, and even though I would get slightly annoyed every time my wife would quote unquote nag me that I was gonna hurt myself or do something really bad or that the kids were gonna explode every time I did a barbecue, she was right. And I was arrogant. And I would tell her sometimes, honey, I know what I'm doing. I'm a grown man. You see, maybe you're smarter than me. You still have all your nose hairs. But there's areas in your life where you know that there are things that you probably should not be doing. Places that you should probably not be going to. And people tell you, man, that's, that's not good. Or maybe you know better. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe in your heart you feel God say, hey, like, like, don't go there. And we're involved in activities, doing things where we're putting ourselves at risk, our, our health, we're putting our lives at risk, and we do it regardless of the cost, regardless of the tragedy, regardless of the pain that it's going to cause, our friends and our families. And you see, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. As we take an in-depth look, we're going to look at the life of Samson, all right? Um, last week we talked about Lazarus. Today we're going to talk about Samson, Samson. Was a child, and a lot of people know Samson, long hair, nice and buff like me, right? Um, everybody knows that part of the story, but there's actually a deeper part to the story. Samson was a child whose birth was foretold by an angel. The angel of the Lord told his parents that he was gonna be born and, and that he was to be raised as a Nazarite. What, what does that mean? It means that no razor is ever to touch his head, that he can't drink wine. Or even be near grapes or eat grapes or raisins. That he couldn't come in contact with dead bodies and the list goes on and on. But what does all of this mean? What does this mean? This means that God had a special plan for Samson. That God wanted to do something in and through Samson's life. And so special that they told his parents this child needs to be set apart from birth for God's work. And as his parents raised him in a godly home, they raised him as a Nazarite. They taught him the Torah, the Jewish scriptures. They prepared him to go about and become a man that God wanted to use. However, Samson decided to do things his way. How many times have we even said that? You know what? These are the instructions, or maybe it's just me. These are the instructions, but I'm going to do it my way. How many times has someone told you, "Hey, look, this is—if you want to do this, you should do it like this." And I leave me alone. I'm going to do it my way." It's such a common, common thing, and I have preteens, right? Um, I'm holding on to the preteens. I think Caleb's going to be a teenager in a couple of months, right? Kind of crazy, um, but but they're already trying to do things their way. My daughter's eight years old, and it's like so difficult to get her to like brush her teeth, right? Because if I tell her to brush her teeth, she'll wait and wait and wait until I'm not around and then she'll brush her teeth because I just told her, brush your teeth, right? And, and it's not even that I mind the smell. What I mind are the bills, right? Because she doesn't brush her teeth and then every time she goes to the dentist, it's like $1,000 and I'm not exaggerating, right? And so how many times have people said, hey, this is the way that you want to go, Because it's going to protect you. Because it's going to save you from pain. And yet we decide to do things our way. Samson was dedicated to God by his parents. However, we're going to learn that even though he was dedicated to God, he himself showed no devotion to God. See, Samson was a man that is never seen worshiping God. Think about that. There's not one part in the Bible where it says that Samson worshiped God, offered sacrifices to God. One of the only times that the Bible records him talking to God is a time that he begins to complain to God. Is that the last time we talked to God when we were complaining? Like, oh, my God. Look at these uh, fast lanes, right? Like, I hate the fast lanes. I talk to God all the time every time I get on the Palmetto. These stupid fast lanes, right? But many times it's like when we talk to God, we're complaining, So a lot of times when we talk to people, for the most part, it's like, oh, can you fix this? Can you change this? Samson is never seen praising God or thanking God. See, today we're going to look at chapter 14 of Judges. And it's the beginning of Samson's now public life. When people begin to see him, they see him as a judge. He was a judge for the children of Israel. They didn't have a king. They had these judges that would, like, protect them, that would make laws and, and keep the peace. And Samson's one of these guys, Judges... Chapter 14, it's going to be up on the screens, or you can pull it up in your Bible apps. It says, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah. A woman, there's always a woman, right? Of the daughters of the Philistines. And so he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all the people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. This is, this is getting very personal. And Samson said to his father, get her for me. For she pleases me well. Stop there. Give me your attention. Another translation says, she looks good to me. Right? The Miami translation, Está buena. I like the way she's hot. Right? So that's what Samson is telling his parents. I saw a woman and she looks good. Go and get her for me. All right, let, let me break this down. What, what is this go get her for me thing? That's, you know, marriages were arranged. The families were very involved. And the go and get her for me means get all your money, your cattle, all this stuff. And you got to go over there and like kind of there's an auction for this woman. And the families have to give money and possession to the other family so they could give them one of their most precious things or the most precious, their daughter, to this man in marriage And you see the first question that they asked Samson is like, what are you doing? You know, why is it that that you're looking for a wife in a place where you know you shouldn't be looking for a wife? My boys went to their first dance on Friday. And I had to tell them, make sure you don't pick a wife tonight. Right? (laughs) I need to meet them first. They need to go through my evaluation. You see, the first mistake that Samson did is that he wandered away. He wandered away into enemy territory. And obviously, he wasn't on a spiritual journey. He wasn't on a military reconnaissance expedition. He was checking out the ladies. He was walking around, flexing his muscles like this guy right here. Right? My wife said it wasn't modest of me to show this picture, but you know, I work out. You could change that. Okay. <laughs> he was walking around telling the ladies, why are you blushing? Why are you? <laughs> he was walking around telling the ladies, look at me. Come. Look how hard my biceps are. And uh, he goes and he tells his parents, I saw the hottest girl and I wanna marry her. See, the fact that a son was gonna get married and these times, this was cause for a party. Like, this is like, woo, let's celebrate. Our son's getting married and she's an awesome woman and she comes from an amazing family, but th- there's no joy. There's actually worried parents. I'm sure his mom cried. They're like, we don't know her, we don't know her parents. They don't believe what we believe. She doesn't believe in God. And they're like, Samson, you can't marry her. You have been called by God to lead Israel. You've been called by God to set us free from the Philistines. You've been called by God to set us free from the Philistines. And now you're going to marry a Philistine. That's crazy. It sounds like a Cuban home, right? You can't marry her. She doesn't know how to make coffee, right? First thing my dad asked me, and I think it was a joke, but when I told him that, you know, I was dating Leilani, she's like, hace cafe, right? And uh, she still doesn't make coffee, but she's a great wife. She's a great wife. She's a great wife. Makes a great tall glass of ice water. No. No, actually, God healed her of all that stuff. As soon as she had kids, now she's my favorite cook, right? Now she's my favorite cook. You see, the same way that I refused to listen to my wife when she warned me over and over again, don't play with the gas. Why don't you just go buy another grill, right? Honey, you're going to get hurt. Samson's parents are trying to warn him. They said, son, you can't marry this woman. See, why is it so easy for people to see that we're going to get in trouble but we can't see it, right? People like, bro, don't go down that road. Don't do this. Stop doing this. Change this habit. People see it. People see that we're about to have a train wreck. And we can't see it. We're blind. Is it me? Am I the only one that gets told, like, don't do that, right? It, it happens to all of us. We do it a lot. If you're a parent, you say it to your kids, don't do that. I've been there. See, when I was a kid, I used to be tired of hearing those, cuando yo era niño, when I was a child. I was like, hey, you're not a child. You're an old man and you don't understand what's going on, right? But now as a parent... You look and you're like, you don't want to go down this road. See, there's people can see the danger before we can. For some crazy reason, we're blinded and silly like me. They're just striking matches and striking matches. And the same way that I had to walk around with like half an eyebrow, right? And I couldn't even fake it. I couldn't even say, bro, I got into a fight or something, nothing. It's like, I was like, you know, and everyone that I told, are you stupid? Like, what's wrong with you? Right? Right? Some of us bear the scars of of stupid decisions that we've made. And luckily, we have the scars. And let me tell you, one day you won't have a scar. One day you may cease to exist. Or one day you may go too far and you can't come back. You see, back when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for like six years. And one day I approached the mom of, of one of the kids in the youth group. And I'm like, hey, is everything okay? Immediately when I asked that question, she's like, what do you mean? I'm like... I'm like, man, your, your son's been like very disrespectful. He's not listening. He used to be very engaged. And I just see him kind of being rough with the kids. There's something going on at home. And I thought she was going to say, yes, pastor, help me. Or I'm sorry, I'll talk to him. Immediately, it's like, why are you picking on my son? Everyone's always picking on my son. He's such a great kid. I don't know what the problem is. And I'm like, hey, look, I just, I want to know if there's anything I can do. If there's ever anything I can do for your son, let me know. All right. Shortly after, the kid stopped coming to the youth group. And I was a youth pastor like pff, 12 years ago maybe. So it's 12 years have gone by. And this kid is so far from God even still. Because now you know because of Facebook, right? You still know what people are up to. Completely lost. Far from God. And I, I think about this all the time. And I'm not trolling him or anything. It just pops up in my life. And I think about him and I'm like, man, I, I wish... That she would have listened. Could I have done something different to have rescued him, saved him from the life that he was taking? And and so many times, God sends people into our life. I want you to think about this. We want to hear from God all the time. Who wants to hear from God? I do. We all want to hear from God. We all want God to speak to us. Let me tell you something. God uses people to speak to us for like I'm like 99% sure and God I'm sorry if I'm wrong but I don't think that an angel is going to show up to your house tonight. I don't think Jesus is going to knock on your door. I think God could do whatever he wants. It's just I don't think so. But God is going to send people into your life. God's going to put give you friends. God's going to give you strangers. God's going to give you a boss. I don't know who, but God uses people to speak to us. So many of us are asking God for help. And we're coming to God. God, give me an answer. Speak into my life. And we're praying. And we're praying, God, help me. And God sends us people. And they tell us like, hey, don't do this. You shouldn't do that. And we get mad at them. And we stop talking to them. And don't talk to me anymore. You're ruining my life. You see, God sent Samson, his parents. And they said, hey, nothing good is going to come out of this. And you're probably thinking, how did they know? It's because the Bible teaches us very clearly, don't be unequally yoked. That means that don't marry people that don't believe what you believe. Because just practically, it's going to confuse people. You're going to have arguments that you don't need to have. And then in this time, it was like so much more, so, so much deeper. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. We, you and me, not this gym, not the church across the street. That's not where God lives. God lives in our hearts, in us. So we continue reading the story of Samson. Samson refuses to listen to his parents, and it's not the only thing that he does. It says, so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and they came to a vineyard in Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring at him. He was surprised because the lion came roaring at him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So stop there. Give me your attention. That's kind of weird because if I would have torn up a lion, at first, as soon as I knew that the lion was dead and wasn't going to bite me or anything, I'd pull my cell phone out like all of you. I'd take a selfie with the dead lion. I'd take pictures of the dead lion. I'd take videos like kicking the lion. And then I'd go get all my friends and my parents, and my 10 sisters, or how many sisters I have, and all the nieces and nephews, and be like, look what I did, right? Look what I did with my bare hands. And you see this scar right here? See, that's something you want to talk about. Hey, how do you have that scar on your face? Why are you missing half of your eyebrow? Oh, because I killed a lion with my bare hands. Really? Right? That's awesome, right? But you know why? He didn't tell anyone. He didn't tell his parents. Because Samson had no business in a vineyard. Part of his Nazarite vow was that he was not to come into contact with grapes. And so as I read this story, it says that Samson was surprised when he saw the lion. Could it be that God sent the lion to take him out of that vineyard? Right? And so Samson being in the vineyard is that like now Samson's like, he's playing with God. Is God really real? Is God really going to take away the strength that I have and the power that I have and the anointing that he had upon his life? Maybe I could just dabble. Maybe I won't drink the wine and I won't play with the grapes, but I'm going to hang out in the vineyard because the law doesn't say that I can't be in the vineyard. I just can't touch the vineyard. And so how many of us live life with sin just like sin's here and I'm here and it, you know, we get out of the way, we do the matrix around sin, but we're in sin and we're, we're dabbling in it. We're playing with it. You see, that was Samson's biggest issue, that he thought that he can play with God. Samson thought that he was invincible. He thought that the same way that he could rip things apart with his bare hands and beat people up and had control over every single situation in his life was the same way that he could get away with disobedience. was the same way that he could get away from sin, You see, after this arranged marriage, he goes back and he marries this Philistine wo- woman. And he actually goes back into the vineyard where he killed the lion. And scholars believe, just from reading the text and reading other texts, is that maybe the first time he was in the vineyard, he didn't eat the grapes or he didn't drink the wine. But he remembered. And he went back. And that's when he sin that's when he ate the grapes that's when he drank the wine and then he actually walks across the carcass of the dead lion and, and he's looking at it and i'm sure he was kissing his biceps and saying ha ah, you were no match for me lion and and then he notices that that there's some bees that had built a a a hive inside of this this lion and he he grabs the honey and eats it once again breaking his vow he was not supposed to touch anything that was dead. And he touches it. And not only does he defile himself, but then he offers that honey to his parents as well and, and defiles them to bringing the sin, bringing the disobedience to his home. And how many times does that happen? See, your sin, your disobedience doesn't just affect you. And that's this concept that many people have. It's my life. I, I'm doing. I'm not hurting anybody. You are. Your disobedience and your lack of obedience to God is not only affecting you, but it's affecting the people that are around you, the people that live with you, the people that are in your house. See, after he leaves the the vineyard and gives this honey to his parents, he actually throws a humongous bachelor party, a drunken bachelor party. This man that's not supposed to be around wine, that's not supposed to drink wine, now throws a drunken bachelor open bar party. And we know that this was a bad party because none of his friends... From Israel at this party. And we know this because he didn't have a wedding party. They had to pick 30 random Philistines to be his, wet, his, his wedding partners. And so he, um, he places a bet with them, you know, because, you know, a real godly man now placing bets, you know, after he's had a couple of drinks. and drinks. Um, and he says this to them. He tells them this riddle. And he says, if you can figure out the riddle, I'm going to give you these real elegant clothes, like an Armani suit. All right, if you figure it out, within the seven days of this crazy party. And as the days go by, these guys can't figure out the riddle. And so, you know, his wedding party, you know, is usually the closest friends that somebody has. Right. They go up to his future wife and they say, look, we can't figure out this riddle. We can't pay this debt. If you don't tell us what it is, we're going to kill you and we're going to kill your family. I mean, these were the people that were showing up at this wedding. And so finally, of course, she she gets Samson to tell her. She tells these men, they win the bet. Samson's super mad because now his wife, his future wife has deceived him. So he goes and kills 30 men, takes their clothes and pays off his debt and just rushes off. Doesn't even consummate his marriage. This guy's a train wreck. And the reason that all of this is happening to him is because he's living in disobedience. He's not listening to God He's not listening to godly advice. He's breaking his Nazarite vow by coming into contact with grapes, with dead bodies, and one of the only things he hadn't done was cut his hair. And those of you that know the story know that that eventually happens as well. And the reason that all this is happening is because once again, he's playing around with God. His entire life, he's been dancing on this fine line, asking the question, how close can I get to breaking my vow without actually breaking it? How close can I get to sin without actually sinning? How close can I get to disaster without actually destroying my life and destroying the life of the people that are around Him? See, in this crazy thing, as crazy as it may sound to some of you, and you're thinking, man, Samson, this guy was a jerk. A lot of us live our lives the very same way. Playing with God. Asking questions. You know, how close can I get to like flirting with someone before ruining my marriage? How close can I get to losing my job without actually losing it? How close can I get to like getting kicked out of my school without actually getting kicked out? See, on a couple of occasions, I've talked to people that have lost their job. And, and, and recently, somebody's telling me they lost their job. And, and I'm like, oh, is it because of the economy? You know, a lot of people losing their jobs. And I'm like, well, I'm so sorry. How can, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? Oh, pray for my boss. So that he finds God. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like what's going on? He's like, yeah, you know, I mean, how did you lose your job? And he's like jumping around in stories like, well, the thing is that I stole something from my job. And I look at him and and you want me to pray for your boss? I need to pray for you so that you stop being a, 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 a thief. So that you stop living a lie. You're the one that needs prayer. You got what you deserved. You see, that's how people live their life. Dancing on the fine line living your life like Samson Saying no, it's never gonna happen to me. I'm never gonna get caught. It's not that bad How long are you gonna keep playing with the matches before you like burn your house down? Or you singe all the hair on your body or you hurt somebody else my son Joshi Somehow managed to grab a knife from my kitchen All right And this kid is running around my house, this two-year-old kid running around my house with a knife in his hand. You could just imagine what some of the women are thinking in the room. My wife almost passes out as she sees this two-year-old running around with a sharp knife in his hand. And I'm like, Joshy, what are you doing? Stop doing that. And he looks at me and starts laughing and goes, ha ha ha, I'm a pirate. And he continues running around the house. It's okay, papi, I'm a pirate. And as crazy as it may sound, some of you are thinking, Mark, you're a terrible dad. How could you let your kid run around with a knife? See, if you're wondering that, it's not true. I do not let my kids run around with knives. They're just like real pirates. You know, they're little ninjas. They do the craziest things. I'm like, how did you get all the way up there? And, and, and here's as dangerous as that can be, as potentially deadly as it can be for a two-year-old to run around with a knife, that's the same way that we live our lives when we decide to disobey God and do, do whatever we want whenever we want and think that there is no consequence. I thank God that my son didn't get hurt. He didn't hurt his brother or anyone else or, or cut my arm off as I was trying to take a knife from his hand. And we can live our lives that way, like a two-year-old running around with a sharp knife. Or we could decide to live the life that God designed for us to live. I said that Samson was from birth called by God to be separate for his will. And you know what? As God's children, each and every one of us have been set apart by God. 1 Peter 1 says this, You must be holy because I am holy. God is saying, you must be holy for I am holy. And what does the word holy mean? It's It's a filling in your outline. It means to be set apart. So you and I have been called by God to live lives that are devoted to Him. To live lives that are worthy of the title that a lot of us, and probably every single person in this room, calls themselves a Christian. Calling yourself a Christian is a big deal. It's not just something you fill out on a survey or on a job application or or the status that you give yourself on Facebook, on your profile. Calling yourself a Christian means I am like Jesus. I am. I am someone who has been set apart for God. I am someone that is trying to live a holy life. And how can we live holy lives? The first thing that we need to do is we need to allow God to lead us. We need to allow the Lord to guide our lives. You see, when we decide to follow Jesus, we're taking on this journey. And and it's not easy. And there's no way that we're going to achieve any type of true joy or true Success that lasts if we don't allow God to lead us. Proverbs says this, With all your heart you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Always let Him lead you and He will clear the road for you to follow. And I know that it sounds easy, allow God to lead you. Yeah, you know, I'm going I'm to do that. It's not easy and it's tough. And there's times that maybe you want to jump off that path. Or times when you just want to take a time out. And start doing whatever it is that you were doing before. It's not easy. And that's why you need to do number two. You need to surround yourself with God-fearing people. You need to surround yourself with God-fearing people. And the problem is that most of the time, we don't want God-fearing people around us. We don't want people that are going to tell us the truth. We want people that tell us what we want to hear. We want people that tell us stuff that feels good. I was going on a date on Monday with my wife, and she's getting dressed. I'm sitting on the couch watching TV. She walks out of the room wearing a dress and holding another dress in her hand. She's walking towards me. I'm like, babe, that's never going to fit me. Okay? I think it's inappropriate for me to wear a dress. Right? And she's like, ha, 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 You know, kind of like some of you just did. And uh, and she goes, do you like this one or do you like that one? And see, guys, that's a trick question. All right? You're never going to get it right. doesn't matter what you say. And so I'm like trying to get out of this one. And I'm like, babe, uh, you know, what's wrong with the dress you have on now? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And she's like tugging on it a little bit. She goes, I think I look fat. I I, I keep like trying to like convince her that she's fine. And she's still holding. But look at at this one. What do you think about this one? I'm like, well, honey, just try it on. Just put it on. And she didn't say a word to me. She turns around, walks into the room, and she doesn't slam the door, but it shut a little louder than it usually does. And see, she didn't want to hear... What I was going to tell her and that's the way that that we want a lot of relationships We ask our friends a question and we just want them to tell us what we want to hear See if if we really want to succeed in living holy lives We need to find friends that are going to hold us accountable to God Accountable to the Word of God and you know how you find friends that'll keep you accountable Is find friends that you can count on it's real easy Someone that's going to keep you accountable. Someone that you can count on to tell you the truth. Someone who, when they see you playing around with fire, when they see you getting ready to hurt yourself or make a decision that you're going to regret, that they disregard the fact that you may get insulted for a moment. And that they take your friendship and their love for you to a greater extent. And they say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? That's what a real friend does. They don't care that you may get mad at them because we don't like to be told we're doing something wrong. I don't like to be told that I'm doing something wrong. But a friend that will keep you accountable, a God-fearing person, will disregard your feelings for the moment and think about your family. And they're going to think about your future. They're going to think about maybe the conversations that you had before when you said, Man, I really want to follow God. I really want to begin to live a life that's worthy of calling myself a Christian. And they're going to remember that and say, He doesn't really want to be doing that. He doesn't really want to be going to that place. He doesn't really want to be watching those things. He doesn't want to be drinking that or doing whatever it is that you're doing. And they will keep you accountable to God regardless of what the cost is. But, but we don't do that. What we do is we surround ourselves with people that i'd like to call spiritual vampires all right and that's what they do you begin to live life the way that you want to live you're 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 obeying god and then you hang out with the people that you used to hang out with before and what do they do they pull you away from the lord right when you just got your life back on track these friends at all the thing is mark i've known these people forever you know and you've known them forever And what were you doing before you met God? How were you living before? And they take you back to the place where you once were. See, a lot of people come up to me and say, Pastor Mark, it's hard to be a Christian. And you know what? It is. It is hard to be a Christian. But my first question that I ask them is, where are you hanging out? It's so hard. Where is it that you're hanging out? Are you hanging out in the vineyard? Are you hanging out with the Philistines? Are you hanging out in Timnah? Are you partying like a rock star? Are you partying like a Samson? I'm going to trademark that little line. Are you partying? Is, is that why it's hard? Because you want to do whatever it is you want to do. Go wherever it is that you want to go. And you still want to honor God the way... That's the way Samson lived his life. Doing whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. Partying like a, a rock star. See, if, if those friends that they're super close, they've always been there for you. If they were real friends... And you've told them at some point that you wanted to follow God. That you wanted to change your life. That you wanted to maybe stop doing those things that you were doing before. Or get away from a bad habit. You know, if they were real friends, even if they didn't believe in God, they would support you. They would say, you know what? That's good. Maybe it's not good for me, but it's good for you. And I'm going to support you. They'd probably even show up to church with you a time or two. Just to encourage you, to support you in your walk. But instead, what do they do? They say little jokes about you, little funny things under their breath. You know, mock you every time you're going to make a a good decision. or Oh, I'm not going to go there today because, you know, I just don't want to be around that environment. That's what those supposed good friends do. You see, some of you today need to make a tough decision. You need to come to grips with the fact that these people that supposedly you can't live without, they're pulling you away from God and you've tried over and over and over again to reach them. But the reality is that they're not really good friends. That they're pulling you away from your family. They're pulling you away from God. They're causing you to do things that you should not be doing. And what you, you need to do today is just break those relationships. Some of you, it's even deeper. It's more than a friend. It's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You've got to break that relationship. Maybe for others of you, it's a, a business relationship. The Bible says that we should not be unequally yoked. That goes for business transactions too. You know why your business isn't going well? It's because you're unequally yoked. Obey God. Cut your ties and begin to live the life that God wants you to live. I love what Proverbs says it's on verse, in chapter 27, verse 6. The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you. But the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. The slap of of a friend can be trusted no one likes to get slapped i don't like to get slapped but the slap of a friend you could trust but those people a lot of the people that we keep in our inner circle the people that are always giving us kisses that are hey you know it's okay you know you cheated on your wife or or you you cheated on this or you're a big liar it's okay man we all make mistakes you know it's all right you can't trust those people you cannot trust those people the third thing that we need to do is we need to make wise choices we need to make wise choices in our life. See, allowing God to lead us, that, that makes sense, the first thing, right? Second thing, surround ourselves with godly people. You can't argue with that. But the third thing, make wise choices. Mark, where did that come from? That's like from left field. You see, if you're trying to live a life that's set apart, living a life that's holy, it's not something that happens overnight. That's not something you can say, all right, I'm gonna, today I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to surround myself with godly people, and everything's going to be all right. You know, it's not. There's going to be tough times in your life. There are going to be times in your life when, when you're going to crack open your Bible. You're going to be going through something. You've got to make a decision. You crack, crack open your Bible. And you can't find a verse that applies to the situation that you're going through. Or maybe you call up a friend or your friend's not even around. You know, they're working or they're out of town. You're your God-fearing friend. And, and you can't get them on the phone when you need to make that decision. You're like, what am I going to do? See, it comes a point in our life when we need to make choices. And we need to make sure... That those choices and this journey that we're taking as Christians are wise choices. And the reason why is this is because God's wisdom is His way of protecting our life. Making wise choices is God's way of protecting your future, protecting your family, protecting your dreams. And in the moments when we don't have a specific answer, we need to ask the question not does it feel good, not is it a sinful thing, not Are people going to get mad at me? We need to ask, is this the wise thing for me to do? And you see, I'm really passionate about this question. I've preached about it at camps for like five days straight. I've I've preached about it in in the school districts and private schools and public schools because I believe that as followers of God, if we begin to ask that question, is this the wisest thing for me to do? We will save ourselves from heartache. We will save ourselves from pain. God wants us to have amazing lives. But the problem is that many times we are not making wise choices. The reason I'm so passionate about this, Proverbs 28:26 26 is this. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. And that's how a lot of people make decisions in life. Oh, it just felt right. You know, I bought this humongous house because at the time it felt right. Or I'm with this person because, man, I just had this gut feeling. Aren't those some of the words that we use? Isn't that how we make important decisions in our life based on our feelings, based on our gut? That's how a lot of people make the big decisions in life. And you're, yeah, I've lived my life, my entire life like that. It's gone pretty good. You know what the Bible has to say about you if that's the way you live your life? You're a fool. That's what God's Word says. You see, that's how Samson lived his life. He told his parents, she looks good to me. She makes me feel good. And here's the crazy thing about Samson's story. You know why God set him apart? You know why God said, I want him to be a Nazarite. I want to use him. I I want him to be set apart. It's because of this. It's because God wanted to bless him. Because God wanted to use him. Because God wanted Samson to be a part of what he was going to do with or without Samson. You see, God was going to defeat the Philistines regardless of Samson's involvement. See, it was God's will that Samson would defeat all the people that he defeated. 30 here, 1,000 there. But due to the fact that Samson continued to make foolish decisions, due to the fact that Samson continued to refuse to obey God, to obey the godly people around him, he robbed himself of blessings. God's will does not depend on a man or a woman. It, it'll happen with or without us. But he gives us a special opportunity to be a part of his will. I had a young guy approach me recently and say, Hey, Mark, I don't know how to do the will of God. And we talked for a little bit. And one of the questions I asked him is, Hey, are you involved in church? Are you still serving? And he's like, No, I'm not serving yet. I haven't served for a couple months. And I said, You want me to tell you something? How long has it been? A couple months? You know that we haven't closed down the church? You know that every Sunday we've had church with or without you. But God allows us to be a part of His work. God allows us to be a part of what He's doing. He's not depending on us for His will to happen. His will is going to happen without us. He made us. He made everything around us. And He creates opportunities for us to be blessed. See, whether we serve Him or not, His will will be done. God's will will be done. And we have a choice to make. Are we going to live our life going by our gut, going by whatever feels right and live a tragic life, a life that could, could have been full of incredible blessings, of incredible happiness? Or are we going to live a life that's a complete disaster? Doing whatever we want, whenever we want it. You have a choice to make today. God wants to bless you. God wants you to be a part Of what he's doing. God wants to heal the broken homes. God wants to heal your broken heart. God wants to free you maybe from some type of thing that you're struggling right now. See those of you that feel like you can't really part from some of the relationships that you're in. God wants to give you the strength to do that. And God wants to bless you with incredible friends. That will help you be an amazing person. But. We keep holding ourselves back. People think that life isn't fair. That, oh man, nothing good ever happens to me. And many times that happens because of dumb choices that we make. Imagine what our life would be like if we began to allow God to lead us. If we really told God, God, here is my entire life. Here is everything that I'm involved with. Every single thing that's a part of me is now being led by you. I allow you, God, to lead my life. Imagine if what your life would be like if you stopped hanging out with those spiritual vampires and you allowed Christian godly people to come alongside you and help you in your walk with God. Imagine if instead of living life going by whatever feels good, you began making wise choices and feeling good for a really, really long time and not just in that moment. I want to invite you to bow your heads. And if you're here this afternoon and and maybe you're far from God, maybe you've been living life however you want, you know what? There's hope. There is hope. Even at the end of Samson's life, God forgave him and he had hope and he's mentioned in the New Testament as one of the greats of God after everything that he did, after all his disobedience. And let me tell you that whatever you've done is far less than what he did. And God can forgive you. God can restore you. God can give you an amazing life. But God's not going to force you to do it. God's not going to force you to do anything. It's your choice today to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to invite you into my life to be a part of my life. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.